everybody. Welcome to the Project Semper podcast. The purpose of Project Semper is to figure out our potential and how exactly to elevate ourselves to that level each day so that we may try to become something resembling the best version of ourselves. The purpose of the Project Semper podcast is simply to put thoughts into the universe. On this installment of the Backyard Roundtable, Jen and I are joined by very special contributors. We talk about the fundamental responsibility of taking care of your physical body. As always, remember to be proactive and like, subscribe, and share any and all the stuff you find from Project Simper. If you find value in it, someone else you know probably will too. I appreciate a little slice of your valuable time, and I hope you join in the journey. Let's go started okay all right be an exciting part of the lead (laughs) (laughs) usually i do a bit of a soft lead in you gonna leave the door open i guess you're fine okay it's fine if you if you put the tv on it'll be low okay yeah we won't be able to hear that well there's our soft opening usually i do a soft opening um so we can just sort of fade into the podcast conversation, but we have a little bit of a different paradigm happening today. I am so thrilled and honored to be, we almost have an actual round table today instead of a two person round table. It's more of like an equilateral triangle, but, um, we do, there's a fourth person here, uh, somewhere in the house and there is a fourth microphone I'm just saying but uh <clears throat> it is indeed my honor to be joined by these two of my favorite people on the face of the earth and uh to my left is someone who gets a lot of uh discussion time on the Project Semper podcast, but this is her first appearance on any of my podcasts, and I'm so very grateful to have the wise input of one Meredith Schroeder. Welcome, my dear. Glad to be here. Outstanding beginning. (laughs) And of course, directly across from me is my compadre, my compatriot, my Partner in Authenticity, Jennifer Friedman. Welcome back. That's an excellent title. Thank you. Yes. Um, Just off the cuff, off the top of my head. So last time we, uh, well, before we get into anything, um, we uh, we're doing this. There's three of us today with um, my wife joining us. I was hoping there was going to be a fourth. We're, we're together today. This is a compound visit, perhaps, is a way to put it. We're going to do some, uh, some rev- I don't know, reveling? We're not going to be reveling. We're going to be, what are we going to be doing? Recreating. Middle-aged That's what we're, going to, we're going to be re- <laughs> <laughs> recreating middle-aged reveling, yes. which is podcasting and bowling, I suppose. <laughs> Um, and that coincides with recording the podcast. So, um, your significant other, Jennifer is here as well. And he opted out, even though he probably has the best voice for radio and podcasting I've ever heard. He has an awesome voice. He does, but he has been doing a lot of things outside of his comfort zone lately and he deserves a break. And I asked and he considered it and 
made a decision. So I will honor and respect that. Indeed. Indeed. So we are in the midst of our, um, our typically, um, nice and, uh, pretty clean orderly household is exploded into, uh, a collection of detritus and debris as we pack for a pretty significant event. We are leaving the low country of South Carolina after a quarter century, 25 years. We met in uh, the fall of 1998. 1998. We almost harmonized. Uh (laughs) (laughs) In Charleston, and we've been all over the low country uh, between here and there, and we're leaving for the upstate. We're leaving you. Yes, after... 10 years of knowing one another longer for you and my mom. The good thing is that uh, one of the benefits of technology is the ability to easily and readily stay in touch via various modes such as Zoom or FaceTime or the texting, the texting plus I'll see her on video chat at least three times a week at least. The, uh, my two co-hosts today work together, so they will maintain that, but I'm only going to see you. We're going to have to do this on zoom, I guess, because we're not going to stop. Well, so here's the thing. I love hiking. I miss hiking and I miss the mountains and besides camping by myself, which I have done many times and I love, but it's like. Now that I have a partner that loves to do that, it's kind of sad to go by myself these days. But now Meredith has a hiking companion. She doesn't know it. She didn't know that until just now, but she's getting a hiking buddy. So I'm very happy about that. I think we need to plan for like every six to eight weeks. Yeah. Quarterly visits at least. (laughs) Yes. Quarterly. Can you write that off? As I don't know. Business expense of some sort. Well, you could take pictures of yeah. us. You need you need new headshots or <laughs> anything. Like. Anyway, um, I yeah. I think I I believe in the uh, the Gullah belief where when you have your picture taken, it takes a piece of your soul. <laughs> so I prefer to be out of pictures. Thank you. Yes. All right then. Um, last time we discussed, um, we we sort of got into the how of simper, how to be a self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness and resolve. And, um, kind of like you, you, you decide, you, you figure out is, is there something wrong? Is there something missing? Is there something disconnected? Is there something out of balance? Is there something in any way, shape or form that you could perhaps endeavor to improve about yourself today? going forward into however many days you have left. And if you've decided that indeed that is a path you'd like to take or something you'd like to maybe explore, then how exactly do you do that? And we sort of discuss the how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of a philosophy and um, with the addition of adding ranch dressing or blackening it or whatever if you just get sick and tired of eating plain elephant. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then just go back and listen to the last episode. Um, How to, what did I, what did I entitle it? How to start simpering or something like that. Um, And the, the three uh, components 
to Project Semper that you must nurture and grow and maintain um, our body, mind, and spirit. And so we're going to talk about body today. But before we get into that, I wanted to, I, I was, as I was kind of taking some notes for today, it occurred to me that I didn't bring up something that's sort of probably an important element of how to simper like that. So when you do this, you start small, you give yourself attainable goals, things that you can do, pick something that you know needs improvement, fixing, balancing, something that will make you X percent better than you were better tomorrow than you were the day before. And, uh, then you build on that from there until it just becomes, it doesn't become, it it stops being something that you do and it becomes something that's just part of you. It becomes self-engendering and then you move on. One thing that I forgot to mention, which is an important step, especially when you're trying to heal something that's broken or, or put something back in balance that's out of balance. And that is to reward yourself for, small victories. And that's very important because whatever victory that you attain, it's not nothing. It's a victory. And you need to make sure that you recognize that because if you don't, then you're just going to keep beating yourself over the head with this stuff. Like I'm, I didn't do it. I failed. I only did this. I didn't do this, but it's important that if your step is, for example, your first thing that you're going to do is to keep your living room tidy. And that involves vacuuming and picking up, you know, making sure your shoes and socks aren't lying about and there's no dishes or cups sitting everywhere. And you've, you've done that. You've vacuumed the floor and your favorite cup is not sitting on the coaster on the end table next to the couch. That's a victory. You've done it. You have achieved something. You have not changed the world, nor will you ever in a in a way that you may ever see, but you have achieved that small victory. And it's important that you recognize and reward yourself for that. And I don't know, maybe your reward is a chocolate chip cookie, or maybe it's some Earl Grey tea or something, whatever it is, a little self pat on the back. Maybe Sit and watch a movie for a couple hours. Yeah. Maybe you go, yeah, lie in the grass or something like that. So that was important. It's important to do that, but it's also important to not... There's a dichotomy, as Jocko would say, in everything, a duality, as Jung might say. It's important to recognize the small victory, but don't get too caught up in it. You know, take your victory, take your reward, but do it quickly and move on. It's it's finding joy at the end of the work, like finding that small celebration. And then it's like, okay, well, now we move on to the next thing and we're going to find joy when we accomplish that too. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's important not to get lost in the joy so that you forget to get back to the achievement part. Yeah. Awareness. Awareness is a good quality to have. Um, so the simper triad, as I called it is uh, body, mind, and spirit. And I know that you have some things that you want to bring to bear. Um, but I want to talk about, I want to start off with myself and this, the whole body thing, the taking care of your body, whether it's exercise 
or nutrition or whatever it is, whatever the elements are that lead rest. rest that lead you to a healthier body so that you may be around so that you may be more fit for longer to accomplish the things that you want and need to accomplish. And I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but the, the culture has slid into this, um, this paradigm where it's, it's almost like a third rail to talk about health, physical health, like you're forcing me to exercise. You're forcing me to. I'm fine the way I am. Yeah. And that's a concept really. Are you, are you fine the way you are? That's a, that's a good way to put that because you may be fine Mm -hmm. the way you are, but is that going to work for you tomorrow? Or should you continue to find things that may improve your physical presence as it were? But one of the pushbacks that you get, or I should say maybe several of the bits of pushback that you get when you try to discuss health, fitness, nutrition, exercise, those things that build a better physical version of yourself um, is, you know, what do we say? What, what, what's the thing that always comes up? Well, I'm living my life my way. I'm doing things how I want to do. It's my body. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, right? You're body shaming me. Body shaming. There's a lot of shaming going on these days. I have found both in myself and others that when people get defensive, it's often because they're looking for someone to blame because they're uncomfortable with the topic that you're bringing up. Yeah. And as we've discussed in the past, not only blame, but um, they're looking for a, a... They're used to being in a codependent situation where someone is validating them for no real reason at all. And they're looking for that validation. And of course we know that misery loves company. Nobody wants to be miserable alone. But, um, when I hear all of those bits of pushback, I think about myself and I think about, um, food, drink, exercise, or lack thereof. And I don't know, chemical enhancements, let's call it narcotics, alcohol, booze, um, bad internet habits, whatever these things may be that you know that everybody has a moral compass. It's that thing inside of you that goes, hey, is this the best thing you could be doing right now? It's that thing that when you're like 13 that we used to have anyway, that when you're playing like video games for seven hours straight, that it's that little thing inside of you that says you really need to go outside and makes a teenager stand up and go outside or used to anyway. But I think about myself and my, the lifestyle that I had for pretty much well, for basically all of my twenties and thirties. So for about 20 years where it was, I basically ate and drank and whatever, whatever I wanted. And the exercise that I got was usually work related, but I didn't do much of anything after that. After being a pretty fit young person, pretty active, which I think was, was pretty normal then. Um, I didn't, I I wasn't some elite athlete and I didn't really do anything that anybody else didn't do. It was kind of like what everybody did then. But, um, 
my own story leads me to the absolute conclusion that if I die tomorrow of a brain tumor or some other unforeseen catastrophe, that I'll tell you from today's perspective, I'll be glad that I hadn't spent the last 14 years, which is when I sort of started to turn things around physically and every other way, but specifically to this discussion physically, that I hadn't spent the last 14 years of my life fat, lazy, drunk, incapable, self-destructive, and otherwise generally a net negative to myself, my family, and society. And if I die tomorrow, I'm not going to spend cosmic eternity lamenting the years I wasn't hung over sitting on my fat ass on the couch, incapable of interacting with the world and taking prescription meds for diabetes, heart problems, anxiety, depression, and general malaise. I'm going to be pretty stoked that I turned back in a positive, healthy direction and I was as strong and capable as I was able so I could spend those years living rather than being trapped in a kind of a poisoned shell. So in other words... Am I going to regret when I, whenever I die, am I going to have regrets for not living it up, as you might say, eating whatever I wanted to eat and drinking copious amounts of booze and whatever else? And then, you know, basically spending every morning two hours on the toilet or, you know, under the toilet or... You know, just around, you hung have no energy. over and no energy and no will to do anything. No, I'm not going to regret any of that. And if you look at th- the things that you can do to hurt yourself physically, you have to, you essentially have to turn them into some sort of a crusade to be living, to, to be enjoying life. And I'm not talking about ever, I think about our daughter and how we sort of tried to craft her um, perspective, her perspective of food specifically, Mm -hmm. but consumption in general. Um, And we never deprived her of anything. We never said, no, you can't have ice cream. I might have said, no, you can't eat that entire tub of ice cream, but... We didn't strip the house of treats. We didn't feed her, you know, water and kale and chia seeds three meals a day. She had that stuff. What we did was try to introduce balance to her. And so I think about that when it comes to the pushback that you inevitably get from this discussion, which is, well, you're just, you just, whatever, you're, you're not having any fun. You just don't, you know, just the typical, I can't even articulate it. Because it's just so aggravating because it's, it's kind of a, it's a self-destructive juvenile attitude, which is what has been elevated in our culture these days. As your life partner. Is that what you are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Among other things. Um, I do not regret that you made those changes either. Well, that's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause I can imagine how, uh, difficult I was to live with just in general. But when I see pictures of myself from around, from let's say circa 
2006, seven, that time period. Ooh. But I thought you were cute, but now you're hot. <laughs> Third party in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have somebody else here. Yeah. So um, when it comes to taking care of your body, one of the three legs of the stool to, that interacts with the other two, these, these three things, body, mind, and spirit, are inextricably linked. You cannot remove one or overcare for one and neglect the other two or do two and neglect the third one. They're all linked inextricably. You cannot take one away from the other two or two away from the other one without becoming out of balance. And, uh, the, the idea behind this, um, it's my body. I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'm going to enjoy life, enjoying life being eating whatever you want and drinking whatever you want and exercising if maybe or not at all, because you're just going to enjoy life. And again, I question. To what extent can you really enjoy life if you, if your body can't handle it? Thank you for articulating that. I was kind of stumbling through how to say that, but that's exactly right. And it comes down to, to a couple of things. And that's that you, you think you, you're telling yourself, you're convincing yourself and telling everyone else that you're living life on your own terms when essentially you're talking about self rule, age, self, your, your own agency, sovereignty, sovereignty over your own body, your own self and freedom. That's essentially what this boils down to here, except for there's, there's two things. And that's that. Sovereignty comes from responsibility. If you are broken physically, you don't essentially have any control over your body because you're probably going to, you can't do the things that you want to do, and you're probably going to spend, be spending more time than you should be getting, receiving medical care. And you're probably going to be on some prescription drugs for whatever maladies that you have based on your lifestyle from not taking care of yourself, from doing your thing. And then the other thing is that this nihilistic uh, attitude about how you live is just a form of slavery. Nihilism is slavery. You are become, you are indenturing yourself to the servitude of things outside of you, chemicals and, you know, whatever is in floating around that milieu. I had an interesting revelation. I've been working on inner struggles of my own for a while and trying to figure out, I knew, I knew I wanted to change this habit. I just, whatever, for whatever reason was in a never ending circle of fighting it. And a couple of weeks ago sort of had this moment, my little light bulb switch, where I realized that it was, uh, I don't know how to explain this any other way, but basically being guided and led by temptation so deep into the woods. And I was just letting myself be led. I was an absolutely passive, helpless martyr because I kept insisting all of these things in the, within this never ending circle and I sort of opened my eyes one day. I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of a big forest with 
a leader who does not care about me. And basically that was when I opened my eyes. I was like, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to walk out. But I think everyone has to have that light bulb moment for themselves. I mean, but this is, this is our attempt at saying, wake up, you're in the middle of a forest and something is leading you that does not care about you. And physically it's like you look down one day and I'm like, oh, well that, that belly hasn't, (laughs) belly's been there a while and I've kind of been ignoring it. Hmm. How'd that get there? And it's just like one little thing after another. And you realize that, yeah, you really are a slave to whatever you think is allowing you to be free. Yeah. Those light bulb moments. Um, you don't have to have just one in your life. In fact, if you only have one light bulb moment (laughs) in your life, you're probably not working hard enough because of the continued, you know, can I be 1% better? Can I be one-tenth of 1% better tomorrow than I was yesterday? And if, why not? I just keep coming back to why, why wouldn't you? And I think that goes back to one thing that I talk about when it comes to uh, any kind of addiction, um, substance abuse, drug addiction, alcohol, whatever it is, is there has to be hope there. And you got to, but you have to look for your own hope. You can't have somebody spoon feed you your hope. You got to find that yourself. And these, these light bulb moments are opportunities in, in your, in your life to get up off the ground and jump back on that road. That's always been there and always will be there. And that's one of the key things is one of, one of the, main, um, contributors to, to failure, or let's just say to long-term failure is whatever it is that you're doing, you either set too extreme of a goal. Um, and you, you, let's say you set too extreme of a goal. You want to lose, uh, 40 pounds in six months. That's pretty extreme. Now, it depends on where you are on that scale. For some people, that, that could be fairly, a fairly attainable goal. But um, like if you're, if you're an adult male and you're 5'11 and you weigh 225 pounds, losing 40 pounds is going to take you some effort. If you're 400 pounds, losing 40 pounds is probably not going to be that difficult. But um, the failure comes from when you set a goal that may be too extreme or that maybe you get, um, you get knocked off your fitness goal because you have to travel for two weeks. And it's pretty, it's pretty difficult to maintain the discipline to keep your exercise regimen up while you're traveling. If you're traveling for work or if you have like multiple stops on this traveling thing. Anyway, so you fail, you fall off and you feel horrible And not only do you fall off your nutrition and your exercise goals, if that's your thing, because you feel terrible, you self-medicate with pizza or whatever, and then you feel worse. You're looking for that temporary fix, that temporary high. And then it's a cycle. And then you're caught, you're sucked into this vortex of like, well, I failed, I lost my way on the exercise and I lost my way on the diet to hell with it. I'm just going to keep eating pizza. And you get down in that hole and you find those enablers. Mm -hmm. You seek out consciously or unconsciously, you seek out those enablers and you find somebody who will eat all that pizza with you. Like calls to like. Yeah. 
And a year later, not only did you not lose 40 pounds, you gained 25 more. But it's not too late. It's never too late. If you're still breathing, you can still get back on there. And you don't have to be some kind of specimen, some sort of uh, Greek statue of a specimen uh, to live a good life. You just simply need to maintain, you need to figure out what you, you need to figure out the version of yourself that's going to enable you to lead the kind of life that you want to lead. Um, and that's going to be different for everybody. And that's one of those things here that you got to talk about is that whatever exercise plan or diet plan, oh God, the D word, whatever nutrition plan or fitness plan that you may come up with, stop looking at the fads, stop jumping on these bandwagons because everybody's genetics are different. Um, and it comes down to, you may be able to more tolerate a certain kind of food because your, your genetic material, your DNA is, I don't know, Icelandic. So you can, you, your forebears ate a lot of fish and whatever. I don't know. I'm just kind of, you know, but if you're from sub-Saharan Africa, your or your 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 lineage is from sub-Saharan Africa. Those people ate an entirely different diet. So, and here you are in 2023, existing on processed foods mm-hmm. and other crap. And then, if you try to do some kind of a a keto or carbs or whatever it is that you're trying to do, it's it might not work for you because of your genetics. And then you're going to get frustrated. And then you're going to fall down and then you're going to stay down. Right. And that's the key element is finding what works for you, for your body, your mindset, your lifestyle, your day-to-day routine, because everybody has something different that will work for them. I, I've learned that for me, I can't just set a schedule because that schedule will get interrupted it gets hijacked yeah easily easily I can't say all right I'm gonna go to the gym every Tuesday and Thursday after work because then inevitably I have to work late or we have a client meeting for the photography business at 7 p.m. or something has come up that I can't go on Thursday so I for me what works is from day to day, whatever is going to work that day is what I'm going to do. It might be take a walk at lunch. It might be um, do something in the take Lucy for a long walk in the morning before work. And that might be all the movement I get that day, but it's something. So for me, I can't, some people need that set routine and that helps them stick to it. That doesn't work for me because I know that my day to day could be different this week, next week, the next week. And I just have to do however, I have to exercise however it fits in each day. Have a plan, but be able to pivot. And since we do have Meredith here with us today, she is not just my coworker. She was my my boss and my supervisor and my mentor for a really long time, still is. Don't even report to her directly. Still Mine ask too. her for advice. <laughs> Mine too, that's weird. <laughs> It's like she's good at it or something. But one of the things in our work is making something, making a plan that's realistic and under promise and over deliver is something else that we've 
we kind of learn to manipulate because if we, if someone asks us for something, Hey, we need this done and we need it printed in two days. Well, we know that's not possible. So how dare we promise that to somebody and then they have expectations and it doesn't get delivered. Why is it any different with, you know, your, yourself, your personal life? I think sometimes people struggle holding themselves to the same standards at work versus a, you know, with themselves, Mm -hmm. but you know, you can kind of think of it that way and you owe it to yourself to be that accountable to yourself first, just like you would at a job. Or if you are a caretaker, you know, what if you, they said, oh, well, I need to book an appointment with this doctor for this type of thing. And you know, you can't make that day and you tell them you can, and then you let them down. I mean, it's, it applies to every aspect of your life. And it's, it's important to recognize that there is not one that's more important than the other, that, you know, work is not more important than yourself. Others are not more important than yourself. It's really the other way around. Which kind of leads well into the, uh, the, the short list of reasons that you should take care of your physical body. You should invest some time in thinking about your nutrition and your exercise, your fitness. I keep, I keep wanting to use those two words, nutrition and fitness, not diet and exercise, because there's an important distinction. There's, there's a perception of diet and exercise and, um, Nobody wants to do those two things. Nobody. Well, yeah. I mean, diet, that's like diet. Yeah. And it's one of those words that has a specific meaning that's gotten twisted over the last 40 or 50 years. And it's just obnoxious that you can't use words without, you know, right. sort of. But I do want to eat nutritiously and I do want to be fit. Yes. Nutrition and fitness. So two reasons, solid reasons to take care of your body and if you can't find at least one of these that you can sort of latch onto to get yourself started, then I don't know what you're doing because I think everybody really should consider these aspects of life. And so those things are things like function. Can you function? Can you actually physically function in your day-to-day life? And I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about exercise. I'm talking about, can you perform the tasks to execute your life? Can you put the dishes away? Can you pick up your child? Can you, uh, carry the basket of laundry, carry a basket of laundry. We recently, I saw someone, this was over the holidays. I saw someone trying to get a heavy pot, like a big Dutch oven, kind of a heavy pot out of the oven. And she almost couldn't do it. She was shaking. And this is a person who should not be in that position at her stage of life. I'm trying to keep this as ambiguous as possible, but that I looked at that and I, it just, it, it really surprised me. It kind of took me aback and it, it, it spun me down to thinking more about this stuff. And to add the word function, can you function in your life? So can you execute your life? And not only that, can you do the things that bring joy to you? 
whether that's going for a walk or hiking up a mountain or dancing, dancing. Thank you. See, that's why I'm one of the reasons I'm very glad you're here is because I'm you're you're bringing another perspective to this that's outside of mine. So I'm glad that you said that. So, yeah, dancing, Um, whatever it is that you need to do. Can you chase your kids around the yard? Yeah. Um, so those two things with under function, can you, can you execute your life and can you function? Can you do the things that bring you joy? Because if you can't do, I, if you can only do one of those, you're missing something. If you can't do either of them, then you're completely failing as a human. You're failing yourself. And it has to be sustainable. It's like, if you know you're on a, on a downward spiral where maybe you can get away with it now, but you, you feel it slipping away every day. That's a sign. That's a clue. Another one is, uh, and this one should hit home for every single human being on this planet right now, given what we've gone through for the last three years or so. Uh, do you have the ability to fight off illness and disease? In other words, is your, is your body, is your immune system robust enough to fight off the inevitable, the inevitable and constant really onslaught of germs and viruses and bacteria and all the icky things that crawl around all over the world because we've recently seen millions of people die from essentially a respiratory illness and if you discount people in impoverished conditions and you just talk about um developed nations things like that well what can who were the first people essentially that died that didn't have some sort of a genetic predisposition to to struggle with COVID. And that was smokers, um, people who somehow hurt, you know, themselves, their own life, people who ate a poor diet, people who got Di- no yeah, diabetics, diabetics, largely hit. Yeah. And this is a thing that you can work to prevent. No, you cannot, you can be a marathoner and be in peak, complete, utter peak cardio fitness at age 35 and drop dead of a heart attack because you have poor genetics. And there's just nothing you can do about that. But that kind of goes back to, did you enjoy the years that you had? Control what you can. Control what you can. Seems to be a theme here, doesn't it? Um, So make your body, you have the ability, ability to make your body more robust to fight off the constant onslaught of icky critters they're constantly getting all over us. And again, that should be pretty self-evident to everybody as we look around. But uh, another one of these is sort of kind of goes back to your function, your quality. How's your quality of life? Again, like when I talked about myself, are you spending two hours every morning on the toilet because you ate... Um, Fried food and yeah. pints of beer and... Right, exactly. And... Not that I've ever been in that position myself before. Right. Never, of course never. not. Mm-mm. We all have. That's the thing. But at some point you have to come to a realization <laughs> that that's not really an effective way to, to live, to execute your life. It stops being fun after a while and then you're just doing it because it's a habit. You're doing it because you see other people doing it and you're, it really does stop being fun. Mm-hmm. You wake up the next day and you don't feel good and you're not like the beer doesn't even taste good anymore. You're just doing it. And then you're in trouble. (laughs) Um, Readiness. Do you have the ability physically to be ready for the unforeseen? 
And that could be an illness. That could be an attacker. Um, that could be somebody coming after your child in a parking lot. That could be somebody coming after you in a parking lot. Whatever it is, anything along those lines, do you have the ability? Are you capable enough to have the readiness to be able to take on the unforeseen? And on a positive side of that readiness, someone offers you a free trip somewhere and you're not healthy enough to do it somewhere you've always wanted to go or something you've always wanted to do. Um, jokingly was hanging out with someone the other day and talking about a celebrity who said they were single and they were, they want, well, now I have a reason to get in shape. You know, it's like, well, if you, if you're already in shape, you can jump on that wagon right away. <laughs> <laughs> and well-being, how is your well-being? And this is something that only you can determine. How's, how you doing? That's kind of like what we would say in the South to, to figure out well-being. How you doing? Are you doing okay? Is everything, are you on track or are you self-destructing? How's your well-being related to, because there is a lot of psychology and emotion around your physical self. And it's undeniable. And I'm sorry that we want to try to talk this out of existence, but your perception of how you present yourself to the world is important. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fraught with depression based on how you, again, I'm trying to use words, I'm trying not to use words that can be easily batted around, like based on how you look. I like to think of it more as based on how you present yourself yes. to the world. And that's, you know, that's, that's in, all encompassing for your self pride. Yeah. For your physical self. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with what you're presenting to the world genuinely? And that's, that's pretty emotionally and deeply tied to, to fitness and nutrition and, and sort of how you're shaping yourself. Um, financial viability. We talked about this a little bit on a previous episode. Are you able to, this goes kind of back to function. Are you able to perform work that will feed yourself and your family and keep a roof over your head? Or are you knocked down by again, type two diabetes that you brought on through diet through poor nutrition, lack of exercise, and otherwise bad habits. Or a little more concrete, are you having to miss work because you're sick? Are you having to spend a good portion of your budget on medication and doctor's visits? Where is that money going? Instead of putting it into your illness, how about putting it into your health? Perfect example. And that is that goes everywhere on the spectrum from are you calling in sick more often than the regular average employee would because you're hungover um, or you're well, just your immune system is weakened and you're just yeah. always feeling like crap and, and, and all the way up to the other side of the spectrum, which is, are you having to call, are you missing work because you are in the hospital or at the doctor's office or something that's, that's for something that's preventable. And 
last on this, it's, it's certainly not the end of the reasons to take care of yourself physically, but last on this list or we'll go on forever. And this one I think can hit home. I think everyone can embrace this concept. And for me, it's extremely personal and it's also, um, a bit tangential out to the friend sphere. Uh, and that's longevity. Are you willing to do what's necessary to keep yourself around for the people who love you and to whom you, your existence is, is anywhere on the spectrum from necessary. You have little kids to, um, being around for the people who love being around, giving yourself to be here as long as you can in a viable state, do take controlling things that you can control to keep yourself around for the people who love you. And also circling around these things kind of touch on each other, which is financial viability, um, function, all that kind of stuff. And I know that you and I, um, honey have several people in our lives who have died basically because of lifestyle. Um, and they left children and spouses at a very vulnerable time in life. And it was simply, it came down to drinking, eating. And a lot of, a lot of times it was just, it was working. It was burning that candle at both ends. And yes, when you're building a business and when you're trying to, when you're trying to take care of your financial viability, you might be working 80 or 90 or 100 hours a week. But are you also eating like shit every day, three and meals not a resting. day, not getting the rest that you need, not getting any kind of exercise? So you're, you're so out of whack there with your priorities that you ended your life at 40 instead of... Instead of building a legacy. 